Hello, everyone. This is Father Michael Tischel. And I think I'm Stradi Papa Georgiou. Yes, I believe so. You, you look familiar. And yeah, uh, yeah this is uh, a very perfectly... No. Uh, oh, I mean, an imperfect <laughs> podcast. It's so corny. <laughs> Cue music. Kings of corn. Oh man. Oh man. Oh Strati. <laughs> oh Father Michael. How are we doing? We're doing. Yep. How are you doing? Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ups and downs, but thankful to be alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, today was uh, Saint Constantine and Helen. Yes. Um, and I, this is probably not going to go out today, but if you were, you know, if you have the name Constantine or Helen, uh, many I'm years, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. yeah, <laughs> I have, uh, two cousins actually, a constant Constantina and an Elena. So oh, well, many years to them. Yeah. So I need to text them later. Yeah. That's um, wonderful. so how's, how's everything? How's yeah, things are going well. Things are going well. Just uh, plugging along here at the church. We're, you know, slowly moving towards reopening, a, a soft reopening. and uh, Soft reopening. Yep. And, uh, you know, being, trying to maintain some level of connection to the young people, youth and young adults. And Yeah, yeah. I've seen that you're, you've been keeping that up. I haven't intended anything, but. <laughs> well, you know. It's to be expected. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I am a uh, prodigal. Prodigal. Yes. A prodigal young adult. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Um, who's, who's who's the real prodigal? The the prodigal son or the the other brother? Hmm. You know that's the that's the good. You know. I wonder. In the end, was that story really about the one, the younger one? Who, who went away, or was it about the older one? Or was it about the loving father? Right. Right. As uh, Father Zacharias of Essex says, it, it really should have been named the parable of the loving father. Mm. Which I like. But, you know, I, they, but he says that because of our psychology as humans, we kind of gravitate more towards the the fallen element and so right. we call it the parable of the prodigal son but well do we name it that or did christ start out saying this is let me tell you a parable yeah i don't think he he, he didn't he didn't yeah. like give give it a title or anything it was just right right yeah you know <laughs> he told us the story yeah I but, but, yeah no i was just gonna say the story is embedded within a number of other stories that are kind of they have to do with this notion of like seeking out that which is right. lost, right? Like, right, like the lost right, right, coin, right. The, right, right, um, right. the, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I always, wa always wondered if those were actual stories 
you know, like, like true events that took mm-hmm. place that he, you know, him having the knowledge of everything, uh, you know, he solved everything in the whole world. And, and was like, let me tell you this story. I, I'm, it's actually not made up, but it's good. you're going to think it is. Right. So here it goes. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, who knows? Like, like, like this could take me in so many different directions. Like, like, you know, it was really like taking place in like far, like some of these were like in Far East Asia, but like, this is totally made up now. Obviously, this is not canonical in any sense. Apocryphal. What? This, this is the apocryphal gospel the, of Strati. Yes. 2,000 years removed from the right. original gospel. That's good. That's good. Uh, we should no, publish it. Uh, no, but uh, like, like, you know, it was really this one tribe and another tribe and the Samaritans, you know, and the Jews. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it was, it was really this, you know, one tribe and the other, and, you mm-hmm. know, helped the man from, he's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Whatever you say, whatever you say, you, uh, wait, what about this one tribe and the other tribe? So yeah, I, it was, he, he called them the, you know, for they, for them to understand it. Yeah. He said it, it's a Samaritan, but really it was a heretic from another tribe that the other mm-hmm. tribe didn't get along with mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he called it a Samaritan and, and a Jew, but really, you know, and he saw all, of, I don't know if anybody understands what I'm saying, but. Well, I mean, um, no, I, I, I I'm think. Saying that I think. Three events. Well, I, I think that, I mean, I think that one could easily see how Christ was at least on one level pointing at the relationship between the Jews and Gentiles as far as um, the, the parable of the prodigal son, that the, that the other brother is, is the, the Jewish, the chosen nation, and that the prodigal son is the, you know, the Gentiles who had, were created by God, who you know, we're given the same. So you're, you're bringing me back to reality again. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I think you were kind of dabbling in reality before. Oh, I was dabbling in reality, but don't crazy people, you know, don't, don't they all dabble in some way. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, it's, there's, there has to be some level of dabbling for it to at least be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they speak language, right? Like they don't. I mean. Well, I think the 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 line between genius and and craziness is very, very thin. Very thin. So like a thin that's, place. That's like a thin place. I actually brought thin places up in the in the Instagram live I did the other day. Oh yeah. Actually, yesterday. Uh oh. Did it get weird? No. Because okay. like I immediately, you know, in those Instagram lives, I'm essentially talking to myself the whole time. Yeah. Right. And I mean, people are like commenting, and I'm reading the comments, and I'm having conversation, but it's just me. Yeah. And no voice. Right. So right. I play I play music, and then I talk towards the phone. And so, um, so yeah. like I'm answering my own stuff as I'm saying it, right? So I'm talking and then I'm like, gotcha, you know, uh, sure, expositing exposition, yep, yep, on what I'm saying. That's good, I like that. Yeah, like people that. like them, people enjoy them. They, 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 hey, when are you doing another live? When are you doing, I'm like, all right, nice, yeah, cool, that, I'll do one, you know, that, yeah, that's good, yeah, that's, that is good. Mm. Well. Should we, uh, should we jump in? Let's jump in. Okay. Well, you know, we're, we're still in the midst of the, uh, the coronavirus outbreak, and um, I am plugging along at, uh, uh, in some of my own research uh, for dissertation um, on um, St. John Chrysostom and some of his theology and, and thought 
Um, and I came across a, a nice little quote in one of his homilies on the statues, which um, you know I know just a tiny bit about the context, which is basically that um, in, I believe it was the 380s, um, there was an outrising against, um, against the, the emperor, if I remember correctly, and basically the, some of the people of Antioch were- Oh um, yeah. They were Maybe kind of like defiling some of the imperial yeah, yeah, statues. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so kind of, this is kind of Christum's way of- uh, I heard about this. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it happened to you just the other day. Yeah, exactly. You, you heard it's about it too? It's three. It's three eighty-four right now. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I say that as if news. I say that as if I lived it. Right. That's how much I enjoy history. Right. No, right. I read it. I read about it the other day. You know, seventeen hundred years removed. But you know. Right. Yeah. 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 To me, it's real. <laughs> time and space. Time and space don't mean as much to you as and, they do to me. When the coronavirus. Definitely, because we don't. <laughs> Seriously, oh my goodness! Yeah, so 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 they're kind of up in arms about this whole situation, and he he gave delivered a series of homilies, a number of homilies, over twenty. I don't remember exactly how many. Um, sort of trying to calm them down and 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 point them in the right direction. And uh, this is the, I think it's the eighteenth homily, um, and he is riffing off of St. Paul's um, encouragement to rejoice in Christ always. And I'm just going to pull it up right now so that I have it in front of me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he's got a, a kind of beautiful little uh, piece on what it means to rejoice always. Um, and he kind of compares and contrasts uh, that with you know, more of just like a, a worldly understanding of, of pleasure and rejoicing. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll just uh, read a little yeah, snippet and uh, we can uh, see, see what pops out. All right. Here we go. So he's again he's he's talking about rejoicing always, um, and then he emphasizes that the the Christian understanding of this is rejoice in the Lord always, not just rejoicing always. Because right. he goes on to say that all other things in which we rejoice, in other words, other than rejoicing in the Lord, are mutable and changeable. They're subject to variation, and not only does this grievous circumstance attend them. In other words, the circumstance of being changeable and, and mutable. But moreover, while they remain, they do not afford us a pleasure sufficient to repel and veil the sadness that comes upon us from other quarters. Right. So even the the even in in the the peak of that pleasurable experience, whether it's you know I don't know eating a really delicious meal or something like that, even the, at the height of that pleasure and of that enjoyment and of that rejoicing it's still not enough to, to kind of fend off some, um, some sort of uh, sadness or something that would come at us from another direction. I don't know, maybe somebody telling us that somebody just passed away. And so now all of a sudden that meal is no longer enjoyable, right? right. Um, but the fear of God, right? Classic understanding of the fear of God contains both these requisites, 
In other words, it's, it's, it's steadfast and immovable and sheds so much gladness that we can admit no sense of other evils. Mm-hmm. So, even, so if we have this joy in, in the Lord, even if we hear that someone passed away, even if, you know, it's, it's a joy that allows us to be joyful no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah. For the man who fears God as he ought and trusts in him gathers from the very root of pleasure. He gathers from the very root of pleasure and has possession of the whole fountain of cheerfulness, right? Because the root of pleasure is God. And we can, we can come back to that a little bit because people might not really understand that. But, and as a spark falling upon a wide ocean quickly disappears, so whatever events happen to the man who fears God, these falling as it were upon an immense ocean of joy are quenched and destroyed. This indeed is most to be wondered at. It's most to be wondered at that while things which minister sadness are present, the man should remain joyful. For if there was nothing to produce grief, it would be no great matter to him that he was able continually to rejoice. But that at a time when he is urged to sadness by the pressure of many things, he is superior to all these and is blithe in the midst of sorrow. This is truly a matter for astonishment. And then he goes on to talk about the three youths and the children in the furnace and how if they were sort of far away from the furnace, it would be no surprise that they would be able to enjoy life, right? But here they are in the middle of this flaming fire, right? And uh, sort of a horrible situation and that everybody was astonished. Why? Because in the middle of all this, um, they'd been in contact, in such close contact with the fire. When they left, they left it more free from hurt than those who had not been in contact with it. So also we are able to say of the saints that if no temptation had fastened itself upon them, we should not have wondered at their continual rejoicing, right? They could be continually rejoicing if they're just sitting in Starbucks sipping on a latte, right? But the point worthy of admiration and that which surpasses human nature is this, that being encircled on all sides with innumerable waves, their condition is easier than that of those who enjoy an entire calm. Mic drop. Ah. Um, you all right there, man? Yeah, I know. I, I'm fine. You should be rejoicing now. But... It was not an opportune time to be coughing. That's okay. Yes. I, I, yeah, no, that's really... That's great. And there's so many examples of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's a temptation to, when you read something like that, to be, to, to be like immediately like, okay, how can I do that? You know, like, I don't feel that way. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think before we even get to any kind of like prescriptive right. kind of or application or anything like that, I think it's, it's helpful to just, just to kind of like, kind of like, um, inspect the phenomenon a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there, mm-hmm. there's, there, this is a, this is a phenomenon that this is a, this is a, yeah. a seemingly paradoxical phenomenon that, that, that there are at least stories out there and you could choose to believe them or not, but they are, they're out there that people, that people are able to be joyful and they're able to rejoice and they're able to even find this sense of pleasure in life in the midst of very very excruciatingly difficult circumstances right yeah. and that for, for most of us on the surface level it's like 
pleasure is found where there's an absence of pain. absence of um, painful circumstances, right? Right. So like pleasure equals the absence of painful circumstances. Like if I'm not, you know, yeah, if I if I'm yeah. not in physical pain or something like that, then I'm in pleasure. And if I'm right, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. So, but 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 this is this is a little different. This is like saying no, actually, um, you know. Like St. Paul says, I rejoice in my tribulations. I rejoice in my right. sufferings. Uh, and there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother phenomenon occurring here that there's a, that there that these people are able to um, experience a joy and a pleasure, right? That is not touched by external circumstances. Right. It remains it remains the same. What is that? What is that phenomenon? Yeah. What's that? What's that experience? What's that? Yeah, and, and you know, thing? it's 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 um it's interesting because it's you know it, it's almost like not almost, but it's paranormal if you wanna if you wanna be if I can be so bold. Now we're really we're really uh, <laughs> thin places paranormal. <laughs> Look, I'm using the language of this era. Right? That's right. Oh no, I, I love it. But it's, it's paranormal, but in an unsuspecting way is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to get at. That it's not spooky ghosts or spooky, um, I don't know, shadows or, or something spooky, mm -hmm. right? This is the opposite. This is paranormal in the true sense, mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the holy sense, mm -hmm. that you could paranormally be in agony, but in bliss at the same time and that's not normal right you know, that's not quote-unquote normal right? right to our to our perceived situation as people as people you feel good because like you said before there's an absence of anything bad happening right and and it's and so that's why i i, I attributed the paranormal sort of word to it because so often people think of uh sort of there's a miracle and then there's weird paranormal whatever ghost shows or, or something like that yep and 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 really th this is um uh well i kind of forgot where i was going with it but i think i i think i'm making yeah sense in what i'm saying yeah and uh that's kind of like our 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 thought behind or my thought behind the Chronicles of the Desert series was to kind of combat the, the secular or the demonic paranormal world mm -hmm. with, with, some, with some truly spiritual, uh, you know, true, true paranormal. Right. But, right. you know, and we see it in the lives of, so, lives of so many saints and not just being crucified, like we see it in many of the um, martyrs, you know, Obviously, we see it in the martyrs, the especially the early Christian ones, where they, you know, they were put through these tortures, but they're coming out and they're singing, and um, you know, and and or or joking. I think Saint George. They put him in these shoes. Mm -hmm. like, this is how the. This is how the story goes, anyway. Now, um, I think the so the, the ver this version though, like all this like extreme torment came. Like they wrote about it a long time later, mm -hmm. but regardless, it doesn't change the it doesn't change the the theme 
yeah you know that he wore these he was wearing these shoes with like um what was it like nails spikes yeah yeah spikes and then um and then and then like when he saw the emperor again like i don't know the next day or a few hours later they had him run with them on and he started joking hey what do you what do you think of my shoes (laughs) do you like my new shoes (laughs) you know who does that <laughs> or you know how does that happen if there wasn't some sort of you know um what you just said uh sort of divine intervention right um i guess i have to i have to like interject here as we're talking um and say that as as we're kind of talking about this i have this sort of like anxiety because um I think there's a temptation, at least for me, to talk about these kinds of things. And then you sort of get like stimulated or kind of like titillated by like the the beauty of it in a certain sense. And the I idea guess, of it? Yeah, the idea of it. And it's like, on, on so like, and then on the other hand, I kind of like, I'm like, well, if I were in that situation. Would I be able to do it? Yeah, like, or am I, yeah, so am I, I'm talking about it within the comfort of my right comfortable home and and office and things like that but like what right what would happen to me and you know like um well you know like i mean say say, yeah what were you gonna say well that kind of leads into what we were gonna say before well well, you said before that before getting into like how to get it yeah how to get it you know right um yeah so let's just let's just kind of admire like be in awe of yeah let's be in awe of it fact fact that there are people out there that that yeah um, and their experiences of people who right like another one that comes to mind is uh, porfirios for me i mean more hey modern. that's that's funny that you mentioned him because this this example came from saint porfirios but it's from the acts of the apostles ah. um of of saint stephen ah. right where like saint porfirios talks about how if if um like if you or me like if someone like threw like a stone at me or, or even just like you know insulted me or something like that like or did something to me that like, like I wasn't expecting, you know? Yeah. So, so it elicited sort of a very gut visceral response, right. Mm. And a negative response. Like I would, like, I would be like, it's, it's, it's revelatory. Yeah. Like if someone throws a stone at me, it reveals what's inside of me already. You know what I mean? Like I can be calm and serene, Right. But if, if you're sitting across from me and we're just having a normal conversation and then you just like pick up a rock and throw it in my face. Just like randomly, you know, like we're just having like this really pleasant, like <laughs> nice conversation, and then there's just this rock, and you're just yeah. like playing with this rock, and you just chuck it at my face. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're gonna see the true Father Michael. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I am not gonna be happy, Strati. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm probably you're so sorry. See, all I'm the so layers. sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't I, mean why'd to. you do that, man? I'm like sorry. I, we were just having a conversation. We were, <laughs> we were making a we're making a point about spirituality. I don't know why you would do something like that. I'm, like, so I'm seriously mad now. Like I'm really I'm, I'm, <laughs> actually, that, I'm actually mad. I'm actually upset that you would do something like that. Or that you would imagination. Right. Yeah. Um so so yeah, I mean like, you know, you would Yeah. You would, definitely yeah. that that kind of thought comes to my mind too quite frequently like you know when i'm when i'm talking about pe- about like the saints and i'm like well i'm not even well, well okay like, 
Wait, yeah, but let like me... St. John the Baptist said. Yeah. And not worthy to untie right. the... Yeah, you know. yeah, okay, so that's good. But, but the... the, the... <laughs> that's good, now be quiet. No, 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 <laughs> it's, all, it's all related. I, I just, I realized I hadn't finished my thought about St. Stephen. So, so he was like, you, like, he was like, you and I, we, you know, if someone threw something at us, like, you know, we would automatically, and obviously he's a saint, so he's just nice being nice and humble, right? And, and associating himself with us. But like, if, if, you know, if, oh, someone, threw a, yeah, yeah. if someone threw a stone at us, we would react in anger. Whereas St. Stephen, when he was being stoned, right, right. The, the stoning revealed this incredible, yeah like the the holy spirit that was abiding in him right? right because his face was was illumined um and he actually asked god in a very christ-like way to forgive them their sins that right. know, um and so he had like forgiveness he had he didn't have any resentment towards them right um and and the thing that i liked about it is that saint porphyrios basically says there there are essentially three different states that we can find ourselves in as humans. The first is being enslaved to the passions. So in other words, if someone throws a rock at me, right? I automatically act in an impassioned state because, and I can't help it, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the one extreme. The other extreme is being enslaved to Christ. Mm. So like St. Paul says, it's not, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. And he says the third state is probably where most of us find ourselves in, which is St. Paul's other description in Romans, where he talks about how, you know, that which I desire, I want to do, I don't do, and that which I do, I don't want to do, right? This, this state of being in tension mm. and like wanting the good, but not being able to fulfill it. I feel like a lot of us are in that one. That's, yeah, exactly. I think, I think the majority of us are in that one, right? There are some people who maybe are like, or at some points in our life, maybe sure. dark places in our life, we're we're enslaved to to our passions to we're, one extent or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you know the 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 kind of the sign of growth and sanctity is this ability to not ability, but yeah, this kind of kenosis, the self emptying, which happens where the kind of understanding too, like you know what you know what's right at the very least. Yeah, at the very least, you know what's right, whether you can fulfill it or not on your um, own especially you know yeah but the the ultimate goal right is to be a, enslaved will willfully enslaved willfully, i was gonna i was gonna say yeah right like not not in a not in a um it's a, robot, it's a like you know a comfortable indentured servitude <laughs> <laughs> that's right anyway yeah <laughs> that's beautiful thank you So, I mean, I, so, I mean, for me, that's comforting in a certain sense, because I always put myself in the situation and that's, that's just the nature of our kind of ego, my egocentrism, whatever, but um, it's comforting to know but that. At least that, you're like honest about, you know. Yeah. Well, look, I think this is what it comes down to is that, is that the, the purpose, and, and this is all very St. Porphyrian, is like the purpose of the Christian life which means participation in the life of the sacraments, like the mysteries, the you know, the liturgy, Eucharist, um, all of all of the ways in which we come into contact with holiness, um, is to 
sort of allow us to be infused with God's life, with Christ, right? So that, again, so that it's like, like St. John the Baptist says, that, you know, um, I must decrease so that he must increase, right? So this, so that we're constantly coming into contact with the source of life, the source of holiness, so that we decrease, our spirit decreases and, and the Holy Spirit increases within us. And, and that's the spirit that is able to love our enemies, right? That's mm -hmm. the spirit that's able to right. withstand all of these things. It's not a, a matter of just like willing it, you know, to happen. Right. And, um, you know, and I think, I think, I guess the comfort for me is that the path that St. Porphyrius outlines and other saints, but in particular St. Porphyrius of like, of like reading scripture and going to the, this, you know, going to the services and, you know, pray, prayer and, and loving our neighbor, all this kind of like path of holiness um, is ultimately, uh, is ultimately giving us, giving us this divine life that allows us to be, uh, to be these, these vessels that, that can withstand all that, all that stuff. And, right. um, you know, so I guess, you know, at least my hope is that, you know, whereas on the one hand, I may surprise my, if I think I'm super holy, sort of on my own terms, I may be surprised mm -hmm. if somebody throws a rock at me. Right. Oh, yeah. But conversely, you know, if I sort of almost to the point of despair, because I feel like on my own terms, I'm just lousy and yeah. um, am just never able to get hold of myself and my passions and things like that. If I approach the life of the church, you know, the sacramental life and um, reading scripture and these things as a, a way for me to, as, 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 as an impoverished, yeah. right? An impoverished sinner wanting to enrich myself right yeah then perhaps i may be surprised in the other direction right like right. thinking right. i'm just going to yeah. respond impassionately but then somebody yeah. does something and this deep sort of well of love and of forgiveness and of yeah um sort of um, long endurance comes out of nowhere in a way that i wasn't anticipating right yeah and i think that that's beautifully said because i think that um, thanks you're welcome i knew you were going to say something <laughs> Um, it's well well said because I think thank you thank you we I'm stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. I tried to think. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, I don't even know what to say. Um, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. It is a subtlety, I think. You know, in the ver in the very end, and and that and that you will be changed, and you won't even realize it. You know, and you won't That's even. It you won't even necessarily be expecting it and That's and it. uh and or you'll you'll start to notice it subtly yeah. like hey but, i'm you know i'm a little more calm in these situations and that gets better over time maybe but the point is to try to not notice it in the sense well, that's of, what well, that's it, what i mean yeah like saint porphyrius talks about how like he quotes the lord in i think it's the sermon on the mount where he talks about like don't let your left hand know your right hand know what your left hand is doing right he says that a lot yeah, and 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 the Lord talks about that in in the context of giving alms, 
Um, but St. Porphyrius sort of extracts that principle yeah. and, and uses and kind of generalizes it to, mean, to basically say, don't let your old man, your old self, your sinful self, right? See your new man, your new self pursuing virtue and pursuing Christ. Right. Because right? you're, if, if your old man, if you're old to use, you know, the Pauline language, if your old man takes notice of that pursuit, then it's going to respond and react and kind of like fight against you to do that. Right. Right. Or, or yeah, through giving you maybe ego or, or no, look, I'm so, I'm so much better now. I'm so great now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it reminds me of like a, a, a seesaw. <laughs> it just reminds me a little bit of a seesaw when we talk about it. It's like this may not be encouraging to anybody, maybe, but it just it reminds me of like you have to be very careful not to tip it. And maybe I'm wrong. Um and maybe in some ways I'm right too. You know, like Yeah, um, I, I guess I mean it, it it could elicit this almost kind of paranoid <laughs> kind of response where it's like, did I, you know, I can't let the, and that's kind of how I used to think that, that when I would read like Sermon on the Mount and the the way that that Christ talked about, like, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Like, like you sort of like in this really like blatant way, you kind of like, like, how could you possibly not let yourself know what you're like, like, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go feed the poor. And how could I possibly like not know that I'm going to feed the poor? You know, like yeah. I'm going to feed the poor. Like, <laughs> like right. I, you know, like how, how could I do that? You know, and not to and, think much of it. Is that the kind of well? And, yeah, like, 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 um, you know, that that's and again, that's that's kind of the line that I've always taken. But I think there's a story of Saint Porphyrius that, at least for me, like really helps with that. Which I think we we may have talked about on the podcast or maybe off the podcast. But it's it's at the very end of his Dios Kelogi, the Wounded by Love, um, where he goes to Patmos. Mm-hmm. He talked about this, I think, right? Yes, and I've read it. You've read it too. Um, but like he goes to Patmos with some of these friends on a pilgrimage. We've, we've talked about it a while ago. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's like to me, it's oh, worth yeah, bring bringing it up. up like mm-hmm. as many times as possible. Um, and basically, he goes into the cave where you know tradition has it that St. John received the revelation of the apocalypse, the, the revelation of the revelation. And, um, and St. Porphyrius um, has this incredible experience of like feeling the grace of God enter into him. And it's so strong that he feels like he could, he would just like just burst. And, and he realizes that if he were to stay in there, and to kind of continue to experience that state, and because the place was crowded with pilgrims, that people would think he was crazy, and it would draw attention to himself. So he tells his friends, "Let's get out of here, and we'll come back again later on in the day when it's less crowded." Okay, so they leave. Presumably, the grace of God sort of recedes, um, and they come back later on, and he tells them, "You stand in the back of the church, because the the way that the cave is set up, it's like a little." chapel within this cave um you stand in the back kneel down and if anything happens like don't pay it any attention basically so basically like warning them that there might be this kind of like mystical experience that they might see 
and he goes to the front and he kneels down and he does the Jesus prayer for 15 minutes and he says nothing happened it was like desert just like desolation like nothing happened within him and the thought came to him that these kinds of things can't be programmed you can't just like basically say like oh i had this incredible gift of god's grace so but i don't want to draw attention to myself so i'm going to come back later and then when i come back i'm going to kneel down for 15 minutes and then you know so right because you know that's just not how god works and so 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 his response to that realization i think is what to me is so powerful and and helpful which you know i mean you could you could imagine all sorts of potential responses to that right i don't know like for some people it might be this kind of agonized like please lord like i i I had this incredible experience and now i really want it like just kind of like beseeching god like in this really intense way or i don't know uh you know uh saying saying some prayers and you know that you know that would whatever whatever the case is or fasting or you know doing some prostrations or i don't know but what basically what he recounts is that, you know, he just went outside. He he looked at the beautiful view because there's it's on an island, the island of Patmos, right? Yeah. So it's like you see the waterfront, and he looked at the beautiful view. I think he might have like smelled the flowers there or something like that, or you know, just um, gone and he went inside, and there was a little in, uh, incense burner and sensor, and he put some incense in and started just like sensing the different icons and you know basically pretending like kind of like uh acting as if nothing happened not nothing was wrong right nothing was wrong and um and then he 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 finished doing that very kind of calmly very you know simply and and then just kneeled down again and it was like you know like like he experienced this mystical experience beyond mystical experiences where he like saw what St. John saw in the cave, like when he experienced the revelations and, you know, he saw his disciple Prochoros there and like he had all these like crazy things, you know, that he, that he experienced. And, and then he goes on to, to recount to the people to whom he's telling this story that were ultimately transcribed, wounded by love and make it into a book that um he's like why am i telling you this he's you know and he says you know like i I shouldn't be telling you this because this is a very personal mystical experience but he says i tell i'm telling you so that you can learn how to surrender yourselves in a gentle way into the hands of god and then later on he says and so that you can you know live in this way simply humbly and gently and um you know i and i think it's this it's this question of the the gentle surrender how yeah. do we how do you know we know we all know that ultimately we need to surrender ourselves to god that we need to live this life of giving ourselves to god right so that god can can enter into us but i think for many of us myself included the question is well how do i do that mm-hmm. you know and i think you know it's it often it often includes this kind of kind of like tight-fisted like i'm giving it all to you you know like this kind of like all right i'm gonna you know but he he gives us i think a a path that's a little bit more subtle and a little bit more calm and like simple and humble and it's just like okay you know 
God didn't come now. I'm just going to pretend like nothing happened so that the opposing one, as he says, doesn't take any notice. And, right. you know, and then, you know, I'm just going to smell the flowers and look right. at the view and, and, you know, do a little incensing and, you know, yeah. just for the heck of it. And then, uh, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a whole nother way of it. It's like, I think I've said it so many, it's so counterintuitive to what like we see in, in Eastern religions where, you know, there, this kind of goes off on a different topic, I guess, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's more like, let me go out there and do this thing, you know, and if I do the thing, I'll get the thing. Right. Or, I mean, that could be applied not just to some sort of Eastern religion, but to anything, you know, I, I went out and I played baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I've trained and I, and I know what I'm doing. And I mean, you could have a bad day, but you know what you're doing as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if you're an engineer or you're a doctor, well, how did I get to this point? Well, I can tell you A, B, and C. Right? I did this procedure, A, B, and C. With this, mm-hmm. it's not, there's no A, B, and C necessarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there could maybe. No, no, that's, no, there no could, you're, you're, that's, a, that's a very good way of putting it. There usually isn't, right? So yeah. it's, it's like, it's like A, it's, B, but before A and B, there was C. Right. And it's then true. came Z, and then there was G. And we don't even know how we got there. And B. <laughs> I love that. I really like that. I like that way of putting it. Yeah, you know, it's very, it's very unformulaic, preformulaic. I don't and, know how, yeah, yeah. And actually, and actually, that explains a lot of things. That explains why orthodoxy seems so not um, systematic. Uh, systematic to Westerners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's because there really is no system necessarily. There, it's like a more of a big jumbled system, not a jumble. I don't mean jumbled, but you know, it's it's a big. Um, there's no one cookie cutter way, and we don't give sec- We don't list seven sacraments, and right. we say those are the sacraments, and and you know, and we yeah. Well, there's a Orthodox psychologist, Dr. Ra- Dr. Al Rossi, who says that when he was in his, I think his doctoral program for psychology, one of his professors said that the sign of mental health is learning to live with ambiguity. Mm. And um, I think that, you know, for fear of kind of making a really reductionistic blanket statement, I think the, the West and America, I think in the West and America, like, maybe because we've we've sort of bought into this dream of progress yeah um we were sort of so tantalized by our enlightened ability and potential to progress as a right as humanity that we have actually neglected what it means to actually be human Right. And I think people in more indigenous and Eastern cultures. Yeah. I would even, I would include even like far Eastern and I mean, just sure, kind of like, sure, yeah, sure. people, people in these kind of more kind of sure. tradi- yeah, traditional, yeah. traditional ways of looking at things. Um, I think they have this sort of beautiful sense of humanity. That's very advanced. Mm. And I think in many ways, like, again, in like in America, we've sort of traded the pursuit of 
of human of our of becoming human for this more externalized pursuit of human advancement if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah it's all very external mm -hmm. and yeah. and and to put it in kind of much more concrete terms i think we have inside of us this out of breath tearful child <laughs> like that's just like out of breath and like constantly trying to keep up and yeah. that's confused and really desires order and like understanding and kind of um to try to just like what's going on yeah you know and but it's a child yeah and and children lack the maturity and the understanding and the wisdom yeah. you know to you know and if we would just understand as americans that ultimately we are children yeah and that we're you know that we're that we are children compared to the rest of the world and if we uh, would you mean as a as an age the country's age you mean well that for sure and the, the culture's age but individually like those who are those who are to whatever extent sort of grafted into the american experiment yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um are part of this collective psyche <clears throat> that individually manifests itself as this out of breath weeping yeah. little child and i'm not saying that like in a diminishing way in fact i think that the more mm -hmm. that we can become attuned to that sort of to the to the presence of our inner impoverished child yeah right i think the more like potential we have you know to be able to 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 yeah be who we truly are i don't know yeah no i i, I sounding think, very weird and esoteric but no it's it's good i, I mean i like it <laughs> it may be an audience of two who knows well yeah it's okay. you and me you and yeah me. That's all right. <laughs> Hey man, there's another Chrysostom. Well, I'm not gonna go there. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the, I think we started out with the, the the topic of, and I don't know if we veered away. It's probably related. It's obviously related. All of this is related in some way. But how to continuously have joy in the face of sorrow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I think I don't know. How, I can't tell. It doesn't tell me how long we're going. Um. And it's okay, I think, even if we don't get to what we were we were trying to talk about, or even if we didn't cover. Like I'm talking about in general now. Yeah, yeah. Like I think the talks are so are, are good regardless. Yeah. But how long have we been going for? Do you know? Um, about an hour, I think. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, well, the the men like Porfirios. Mm -hmm. I guess. I guess I. <laughs> The way I might sum this all up in, in a way and, and kind of like is if you want to read about how to achieve or get an idea of what it's like to achieve joy, um, even in the face of sorrow, go read the, the life of St. Porfirios, uh, Wounded by Love. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to anybody watching or listening. Definitely. You know, go read because the, the man had cancer on his head essentially right there you go he had cancer on his head which blocked his uh his optical nerves and made it so that he was almost blind if you know basically blind 
but when he would you would not know that he was in excruciating pain you wouldn't know you wouldn't know it he uh i think i i, I heard a lecture by his um by his uh cardiologist and his cardiologist asked him what what does it feel like and in a calm you know sort of simple just sort of you know this is what it feels like you know feels like this right like almost you know like it is <laughs> incredibly uh, he said i'm trying to remember it's like taking your hand and putting it on a on a on a like like boiling oil on a pan and putting your hand head, my head and putting it on the pan or something something like that i forgot how he but he described it in like it's like calm and <laughs> that's how he felt in that moment I don't even. Yeah, it, I don't it even really, know how it would be. Well, but but what it what it does remind me of is is how we as Orthodox Christians depict the crucifixion, right? Iconographically. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. You know, it, it, it's it's not Christ in agony. Right. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. Very good because I. And there there is a real distinction there. Even you know. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there has watched the recent film by Terrence Malick, uh, A Hidden Life. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's an excellent film about, uh, I think he was a recently canonized Catholic saint or beatified. I don't know. I don't remember exactly the way they put it. But yeah, they have like. Yeah. Um, Catholic saint. Uh, basically, he, he died under Nazi um, occupation and um, beautiful depiction of this like very simple family up in this farm country um uh was, i don't remember which nazi occupied country it was but anyway um and they're just they're not trying to like impose their beliefs on anybody but it becomes clear they have a very loving relationship it's like the husband and wife and a few uh, girls young girls and they're just trying to do their farm thing but the husband starts to become troubled about the news he's hearing about the nazis and and there's something about it that strikes him in a very kind of negative way. And he doesn't want to like, you know, go out and protest or anything, but there are certain things that sort of come to his door, like people getting money for the war cause and things like that, that sort of elicit like a, this kind of dilemma, you know, like he has to choose, like, does he, does he give money or does he not give money based on, and, and he's concerned, he's concerned about what he hears. And everybody in the village, everybody in the town, the mayor, everyone, just immediately bow down before the Nazis and before Hitler. But there's something about it that's very concerning to him. And he's constantly thinking like, am I just, is this just my pride? Like, you know, it's like this really beautiful kind of like, and, and like challenging kind of exploration of like what it means to have convictions like in the face of something like that. Um, but, but, you know, and throughout he's sort of, he's being prayerful about, it. he even goes to the priest and the priest ends up being like basically a Nazi sympathizer and like, you know, and all this, you know, and, and even the bishop and like, I mean, like, like all the Austria way up. Austria or something? I, yeah, something like that. I they, about, they, they were very. Right. One of those countries. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, so, so I won't give away how it all ends, but, but, you know, it's a beautiful tale of somebody who kind of maintains his faith and his conviction to the right. end. Um, you know, and, and kind of goes in these ups and downs. And I'm sure everybody goes to an extent kind of goes, would, would go in these kind of ups and downs. And there's always going to be challenges and doubts and things like yeah. that. 
So I don't want to sort of diminish that by any extent. And here I am, you know, talking about it in my comfy, you know, cushies. Right. And yeah. And, 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 and I, and sometimes I, I, when people like will make a post, I've seen this in Greek where like, you know, and you hear it in English too. Like he did so much for you. And what do you do? It's like, I'm not, gonna, you know, we're not going to be perpetually feeling bad. Right. Emotionally because we're a little more comfortable. Right. You know, and, and at the same time, there is something to be said about being less comfortable. Right. I, I actually am making a point now to stand more in church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, tw- I'm 29, you know, not, not 85. I can, I can stand for an, you know, for an mm-hmm. hour. Right. Like, you know, I, I I don't know. In my in my own humble sort of um, not Saint Porfirio's way, I, I almost say like add some mm-hmm. hardships sure. that aren't there. And that's sure. what the monks do anyway, right? Sure. They, they, they add like they carry rocks on their back, you know. Um, and um, so, like in church, start standing, mm-hmm. start you know doing some less pleasures. Yeah. You know, something, do anything, and 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 you know. Maybe, well, I mean, he started. He started with that. I mean, his whole life, his early life, was characterized by hardship, right? I mean, his who? his dad had Saint Porphyrius. His dad oh, had, yeah. you know, his dad had gone to work in the Panama Canal. He was helping Is to support. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We. <laughs> There's so many things I don't remember about him anyway. We made so. the video. I don't. We didn't put that in. All right. Well, go that's on. all right. And uh, he was helping to support his family, you know, his his mother with all yeah, the, yeah. the kids, and and then and then when he ends up finally getting to Mount Athos, he finds like, or not, he doesn't find, but they find him really on the boat, one of the the, the two brothers um, yeah. who became his elders. They were they like some of the strictest. Home. Yeah, he did run away from home. Yeah. They were like the strictest, some of the, among the strictest monks on Mount Athos. Right. Right. So he had this very strict and intense upbringing and it was really when he you know in the midst of all that he had this kind of eros right which was beautiful is this yeah. love passionate love for god but it was re- really really wasn't until he had to leave mount athos for health reasons ended up becoming right. ordained off of mount athos and became a confessor very early on he was like 19 20 years old he was very strict too he started out very strict right he had, yeah. he had the confession book the exmologitarion and he was basically just doling out these like right, right, super right. by the book penances, uh, yeah. probably and, monastic, right? Penances, you know, yeah, or yeah. Who I mean, just, but just, without just, any kind of you know, like right, yeah, 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 yeah. But then like people would come, like he'd bump into people like a year or two later. Be like, how's it going? He's like, oh, I don't go to church anymore. You don't go to church anymore, you know? Oh no, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he's like, wait a second. Like he was like, yeah, I, you know, I figured I, if I have to do all that but before I can come back to communion, I'm probably condemned anyway. So, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, he started to, to adjust his, first of all, because he discovered uh, St. Basil's rule of uh, individualization is what it's called, where it's, mm-hmm. in, it's within the canonical tradition, basically saying like, based on individual circumstances, right. the pastor on, discerns, yeah. yeah, the pastor discerns, you know, the, the level of repentance and can adjust the, you would have thought you would have thought they would have uh, given him that lesson before he became a confessor. But, uh, Who knows? I mean, it's but, not his fault. It's not his fault, obviously. It's, right. Anyway. Well, it's not only that though, because I think the beauty of it is is not only that first that he didn't, you know, that that he kind of learns that yeah. sort of essential principle of discern of pastoral discernment, but it's also that he discerned 
within the psyche of the contemporary faithful person yeah a sort of frailty and kind of a, a like a fragility and, a, and an inability to sort of live the same kind of in, level of intensity. intensity of the elders and and you know orthodox of old and so what he did was instead of giving them these these um penances he would say hey you know read a little bit from the gospel of john the gospel of love, you know, uh, or, or read the paraclesis, the, the supplication service to the mother of God, or read these beautiful hymns that are filled with love and filled with eros that, and that will kind of, and he, he talked about how it's that inner awakening, the inner kind of like um, softening of the heart that they can experience before they experience any of the, so it's right. almost like he, he started really strict and then he didn't like, water it down but he sort of like right descended down to the level of right of right. where people were actually at so that he could actually and not just in theory but or in thought right, but right. actually bring them up to that place of crucifixion that we're talking about right and and i think just to bring it back to that film that i was referring to a hidden life i i i, I painted this beautiful picture of the film there's one aspect to the film that bothered me and continues to bothers me bother me um and i again i might be reading into it from my cushy you know comfortable lens but sure. but i think there is something about this orthodox spiritual approach that is a little different than what i perceived in that kind of approach coming from the catholic tradition which to me well, we'll um, basically basically it's the <laughs> you know how like sometimes with some like really like intense fanatical like super orthodox there's this question of like how much grace is there in the in the like outside the church okay like, okay and like is there any grace in the catholic church or is there like no right. grace you know like how, to what degree has the grace left the church <laughs> based on okay and Let's I've never, take our measuring cups out and right. I've never, I've never really been inclined to get into that kind of conversation, but yeah. on a on a purely existential kind of phenomenological level, yeah. um, I think that in my mind, comparing like the Porphyrian Saint Porphyrius kind of example with what I saw in this film, I felt like this man was doing the best he could with the amount of grace that was present in his experience of the church. I, I, yeah. And there was sort of this like very impoverished sense of the grace and the presence of the light and the love and the you know, life of Christ. Um, and, and so a lot of it, it was mostly his will sort of like pushing through this very difficult circumstance and little sparks and flashes of tiny bits of grace here and there. Right. You know, whereas I think from an Orthodox perspective, oh, and I, and I, I feel a little, un, I feel like I'm, I'm, there's some like judgment in, in me for, for saying this, but it is it's what it is. Podcast. I know. I'm just, I'm just, it's I'm an just Orthodox podcast. I know. I'm just confessing that. Right. Fair enough. You know, it, it causes a little, sense sure. of kind of um discomfort in that sense but i i yeah you know i yeah i'm just gonna say it as is just that just say it. um 
um yeah i mean i oh man hmm. well i guess the presence the presence of the light of christ the presence of grace within us right uh it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon because it's so easily lost on one level right sure. but but in adversity unexpectedly when god knows that we need it the most we feel we feel that presence and when that presence is there we feel as though we could endure anything yeah because it's not us right? right it's christ dwelling in us there you go right and and so though it can be lost like especially just in everyday life my pride so easily right squelches you know my own spirit and my spirit of possessiveness and of of you know impassioned state so easily squelches the the shy and humble holy spirit right that that yeah. kind of very very quietly and almost like timidly you know yeah, um yeah, yeah. you know creeps up into my heart and soul and 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 is like okay are you ready for me you know like you know and it's like no i you know i want to do it myself you know get out of here it's like, okay 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 <laughs> you know it's like you know it's like no okay so finally i've been beaten down by life enough to be like you know what i can't do this myself right you know i can't do this myself it's like okay that's when the holy spirit comes in like slips in there and it's like whoa i could do anything you know, well, like, well when the when the the not i mean it's i don't know if this is on topic but when the nazis entered greece and they entered mount athos mount athos just all right don't burn the place down like it's great hitler right. you know okay sure. sure ottomans came around okay islam not a thing but don't burn the place down women don't bring them here either great yes sultan and and and, and like you know <laughs> that's how that's yeah, how man, mount athos was not destroyed mm -hmm. by everybody who who invaded it um interesting yeah i'm not I, I don't i don't know the story about the thing but i, I get the sense that it was like well wasn't he brave he didn't yeah he and stood again, up it's, to the nazi yeah. ideology I, I don't know i mean we could no it's 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 it, like again like on on the surface level it's such a beautiful thing because he has so much love yeah. and it's it's just right, very right, kind right. of like it, you know yeah quiet, I, kind of like like everything's right yeah. about it except for this very like, kind of deep like like phenomenon of this this uh, this presence of grace and the holy spirit that that sort of allows you to be meek and mild yeah um and it doesn't seem to be there without having to sort of like be meek and mild but like true that you know that, that otherwise you either have to be completely complicit like surrender yourself completely or sort of have this force of will to resist if that makes sense so it's either on a human level you're either you either bow down before the regime whether it's an actual so regime or, or a, a spiritual regime right? so you're speaking of this is like it was like a metaphor like almost like a a metaphor yeah i think i think it's like the what i saw was 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 a lot of human effort and just a tiny bit of divine intervention and yeah. again like who am i to say you know i've sure, never yeah. been, been in that but but it's more of just like like 
again, on a, on a spiritual level, like, like, you know, the, what I see in someone like St. Porphyrius is like this, this well, um, abundance of grace. Right. Right. And, and just a time. And that's, and he himself talks about it. He says like, things are here. He says, he says, things are simple and easy in the spiritual life. Easy, easy. Right. Okay. In the life in Christ. It's sufficient that you just know how to discern. When something disturbs you, uh, like a thought, like a, a, a bad thought or a temptation or an attack, having contempt for all of those things, just kind of disregarding all of those things, you'll turn your attention, your gaze towards Christ. Okay. He afterwards will take on the work of raising, of lifting you up. He will grab you by the hand and will give you richly, abundantly, his divine grace. Just for, for your, your effort is just a tiny little effort. You'll just make a tiny little effort. We take a millionth uh, and we cut it into tiny pieces, okay? We take a million and we cut it, a millionth of, of the percentage, basically, and we t cut that millionth into tiny pieces and we take... Um, and we take a uh, like a like a, a millionth of that basically, yeah. Um, and that is the human effort, right? Okay, just a tiny, uh, like, uh, good sort of uh, intentionality, like having having a yeah, good yeah, intention. Yeah. yeah, you'll you'll move towards God, and in in a in a in a millisecond, grace will come. Right. You'll think. Um, You'll think about it, and the Holy Spirit will come. Um, you don't do anything. You move towards that direction, and immediately divine grace comes. You, you know, I think, so what you're describing, if I'm not mistaken, is that, that there seems to be more of a humanistic element than the other guy. And, yeah. and, and it's so hard for I me did, to say that without, like... But, but you know, I, can, I, can, I, can, I know what you mean. If from our maybe not our personal experience with grace, but at least from what we've read of the fathers, right? The, you know, the, the, the what's saints. present in, from a communal perspective, like, like right, right, like our and like the community. There's and there's a uh, a great quote. Uh, well, the quote I heard it with my own ears from a video. Uh, Klaus Kenneth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And and he was. I think, oh yeah. I've probably said this on this. Oh podcast. yeah yeah yeah. But why don't we say it again? Yeah, yeah, say it, say it, say it. I don't think you've said it on the podcast. Okay. He, he's in Cyprus, actually, Klaus Kenneth, yeah, doing, cool. doing a lecture about his life experiences. And if anybody doesn't know, look him up, Klaus Kenneth, Klaus with a K. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and he, so he, he, just brief summary of his life, he... No, this he hits was, the nail on the head, actually. This he, is, was born, yeah. he was born in Germany. He was Roman Catholic. He was abused by a Catholic priest. He went from there to explore just about every religion you can think of, a major world religion you can think of. Um, and he ends up at one point in India before he goes to like Thailand or something. Mm -hmm. That I remember. And, um, and when, he's in, when he's in India, he, he meets Mother Teresa. This is probably like the 70s. Or, I don't know what year she, but you know, like a while ago. And... Um, and he, he met Mother Teresa, and, and he was impressed by her. He was really impressed by her. Not enough to become a Christian, I guess, mm -hmm. but he was definitely very impressed by her. 
Sure. And he would actually, he said, I actually tried to like get her to become a Hindu because he was Hindu at that point. He was practicing Hinduism. Mm-hmm. He's Orthodox now, but for everybody listening, I guess I was going to get there. But anyway, and, um, and, and yeah, he really liked her. And anyway, he, from there, he went to try Buddhism. And then he, he circled to South America and then he circled to Protestantism. And then he ended up, he ended up meeting St. Sophronia of Essex. At the time yep. of this lecture, he was only Elder Sophronia of Essex. And, uh, and so he, um, they asked him, and it was, I think it was young people who were asking him, who were watching, who were, who were there for this. And, and they asked him, so who would you say was more holy? And, or St. Teresa, or Mother Teresa, or, right. or St. Sophronia of Essex? Right. And, and, and he goes, well, I mean, you can't like, you know, sure. get a scale out and put them on, you know, and, and get some sure. sort of, some sort of like measurement of how, uh, who's more holy. But he said, if I were to say, having known both of them, I would have said that Mother Teresa had love, but St. Sophroni was love. Yeah. And this is yeah. an interesting example of what the Orthodox spirit, for me, this is an interesting example of what the Orthodox spiritual life can bring you versus outside of it. Not to, yeah. say, not to say that you can't experience right. God's love. You know, if you're sure. a person and you're yearning for God, not to be an ecumenist, but I think that not knowing any better yourself, sure. like let's say you're just some person living in any country and you just cry out to the, to the, the night sky, I, I think I think that the night sky, being God, the creator of all, who Absolutely. loves mankind, will do something for you. Absolutely. Um, so I, this is a topic lately for me, and 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 uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I because you know people are very can be very uh, vehem- vehemently against everything outside of Orthodox, and I'm not saying well let's go become <laughs> roman catholics or hindus not that the two are the same but you know what i mean um but but at the same time you know god is beyond our our he's not black and white yeah you know no it's uh he's not it's, black and white and it's yeah. definitely confusing for us you know uh, uh, human beings but you know in the west especially people want everything to be concrete in a box and mm-hmm. shipped to you in, in, a, in a nice package where you will open it up with a little knife and you will get it out and that, you know, it'll be clean and it'll be perfect. That's not, that's not really how God seems to be working from everything that, you know, we, we see. he's not working in this human, at least, humanly reasoned box. Well, the, and to take it back to our, yeah. our, our, our little child, our inner child, ah. our inner scared child, yeah. Um, the problem with boxing it all up neatly is that we are neglecting our inner scared child. It's like almost like a punchline. Yes. Because. Yes. Yeah. Because because by making things look nice externally, right? Right. We're not allowing the child to grow up. Right. You know and. Um, and ultimately, the child is scared, I believe, based on the fact that it doesn't under, fully understand what's going on. It's a child. 
it's a child, right? And it sees the chaos in the world around it and it doesn't understand what's going on. And the question, which comes back to the very beginning or to, the, to my anxiety about talking about these things is how, yeah. how does the child grow up? Yeah. How do we actually, how, how do we actually allow the child to grow up? Yeah. And that's, that's um, a question that I'm not going to answer. Yeah. And I, I have some hunches, but I don't think it's a good idea to. I think we're at, we're at a good spot here. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel the spot. Yeah. The time to. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You <know>, yeah. <laughs> All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> a- amen. Amen. I'm going to stop the recording. Oh, no. Goodbye, everybody. Yes. (laughs) We're not even going to say goodbye to you because it doesn't matter. (laughs) You're jumping the gun. Closure. Closure. You're looking for closure. This is such an imperfect podcast. And it's premature. Yes. And we want to leave you uncomfortable. On imperfect terms. On imperfect terms. We're not going to perfectly wrap this up. We're not. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.